Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Guys, who's the star of the Long Bull Street podcast? Uh, Matthew Wilson. Matthew Wilson. No, it's not. It's Flav. We agreed this, didn't we? No, it's Matthew Wilson. Matthew Wilson. Right, you two. No tea tonight. Straight to bed. It's Matthew Wilson. The Long Welcome to the Long Bowl Street podcast. <laughs> Why can't you say ball? I don't know. I don't, thanks. Thanks, Cal. Uh, later, we're going to be joined by retired footballers Reese Weston and Sam Parking and hosts of football podcast Hanging Up the Boots. But right now, I'm joined by the star of the Ball Street podcast, Matthew Wilson. Woo! You can't do your own woos. I was just buzzing so much from finally getting the kind of acknowledgement that... How are you, Matt? I'm all right. Yeah, I'm all right. It's been, it has, you know. Let's let's not ignore the heat. Yeah, it's very hot here. It's really hard to work in the heat. It is. Um, my pregnant girlfriend's fainted three times this week, oh my so God, it's really? affecting. It's affecting us all deeply. Yeah. Um, not just the trains and the yeah. the, the things that stop. But yeah, so, is she okay though? Yeah. Yeah, she's fine. Um, I, I refuse to make love in this heat. <laughs> That's just, just when it's put on record. That wasn't on the script, Flav. That no. threw, threw us a little bit. That We're one. also joined by Cal to give us the Bull Street news. What's happening? I'm good, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, let's get straight into it. All right, then. So, the well, news... hang on a minute. What was you, like you've got a Man United kit on. What's going on? You're supposed to be a South End fan. You're <laughs> sitting here in a Man U shirt. It's a retro Adidas T. Yeah, South End playing blue. I'm not sure how comfortable I'd be coming yeah. in a red and white shirt. Listen. Take it off. <laughs> You're going to make me take it off? No, no, no. good. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you got you got you, for that. you've been having a, <laughs> we've been having uh, you've having a little look around the internet. What's been happening I in the have. world of football? Uh, not just football, actually, but yeah. Go on, give us what you. I got. mean, the breaking news today is that Wolverhampton Wanderers have had their takeover completed. It's uh, another China taking over football, isn't they? Yeah. No way. Is that what's happened? Thirty million pounds they've been bought out for by the Fosan International Group in China, and he, he's connected to George Mendes. Yeah, there's there's a link there. I was reading that somehow. 
this Chinese international group have a link to super agent George Mendes, who's the agent of people like Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah. So not only have they got a load of wedge coming their way, but they've got this top agent that's going to start bringing them. players through. Right, okay. Through the walls. So R- Ronaldo in the black country? I don't, <laughs> don't know about Ronaldo, but maybe some of the lesser players on his books, you might see them popping up in walls. They yeah. might be in a Premier before. That's in, it's, oh, it is interesting, and I think it shows you again how the influence that these that the elite of the game is kind of having um, but not just in football in, in life and in sport the UFC takeover which interesting enough was um, 400 million yeah. uh, off yeah, 4 billion, off, four billion uh, um, dollars and that was taken over by a group essentially of sports agents you, you know uh, Entourage yeah you know Ari Gold one of the best yes yeah absolutely. so the, it's the guy that Ari Gold is uh, based on He's in this consortium of agents called WME or something like that. Yeah. Them and IMG have bought the UFC for, for a lot of money, which is mad that sports agents that have been successful and have got Rihanna, um, Drake, and, and, and sort of like lots of top mixed martial arts. It's a sportsman, I think, and Tom Brady. It's, like an like ent- it's almost like an entertainment business. They're kind of taking over sport and seeing it as an entertainment Yeah, absolutely. business, yeah. But, but to hear that and... Because... And, I mean, China, right? Crying out loud. Yeah. What is that going to be in, in five years or ten years? They're taking major, major footballers. They can like, them activate with... everyone's release clause and just take over the, mm. the entire, like, Messi, Ronaldo, get them all over there. This summer alone, they've taken over Aston Villa, Wolverhampton Wanderers now, and I'm sure I heard something about AC Milan might have been taken over by a Chinese group as well. That's three clubs in just the space of summer. You'd look at the transfer fees. You've had Hulk go over there for, what, 350 grand a week, is it? Pella is now the fifth most well-paid player in the world. Um, just going mad. What's wrong with Huddlesfield Town? <laughs> what, why? Oh, you mean in terms of... Yeah, why aren't they? I, was, I felt a bit defensive then, but then I realised that that might not be actually... I'm the... just, just asking why, why haven't they been bought? Um, I don't know. I mean, it'd be quite... How would you say that? I don't know if I would feel about that. I mean, okay, so we're owned by a um, a local businessman uh, called Dean Hoyle, who had who he's seen as a business genius because he had a high street chain of card shops called Cards Galore or something like that, and uh, and had made loads of money. So everyone thinks he's a genius because he's made money. Yeah. Um, but I don't think he's a genius, and I don't think he's necessarily an amazing kind of chairman, but. It feels good to have a fan of the club in charge in some strange, Absolutely. comforting yeah. way. Yeah. Especially in the modern day. Yeah. So, so I'm not sure I'd be that. Care- what, what I love about Huddersfield is having foreign, uh, is, is having local-based players rather than uh, mercenaries playing for the club. So I, I'm not sure I'd be that keen to have one of these takeovers. I, but. I tend to agree as well. And they're going to replace the manager already. It looks like within mm. within a few days. So mm. all right, so what's the next story? Uh, moving on to the next story, Lazio. They've had a torrid start to their season ticket sales. Opening day, 11 tickets sold. 11 tickets? 11 season tickets. It's not the response you want, is it? (laughs) (laughs) When you're just like, right, okay, we'll send out the email. We're now open for business. Just rolling up the old shutters, looking at the queue. There's there's five guys there. It's like 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 when I'm I'm watching the amount of downloads we get. (laughs) Why are you saying that word? When was, 12, Matt, 12, 12, 12 people. Oh, sorry, that was me again. <laughs> <laughs> That's in the first minute. Right? That's not the first day, isn't it? No, no, this is weeks, mate. Weeks. Uh, no, I'm joking. No, we're going very healthy, very healthy. Yeah, we are, Why, though? Are. Why 11? 
Uh, you know a bit more about this than I do, but it's something to do with fans are protesting against the chairman, the running of the club. So what I know is Bielsa was there for two days, and after two days, he was like, I'm not having this. This is terrible. Um, basically, he was promised six players in order to start building his pre-season around his new squad. He gets to Lazio, and none of the players have been bought. Not, there's been absolutely no movement towards acquiring the players that he needs. So he looks at it and says, well, I can't do my job with this. I left, and the fans uh, protest the way, the, the way it's been... Been, been, been run I've decided to boycott the season ticket <laughs> apart from those 11 it's, those 11 scabs that's, look ahead okay so that they play they share the stadium with, uh, with Rome don't yep. they? and it's a big stadium it's like 75,000 80,000 yeah it's a big huge one. stadium imagine if they sold no more and it's just these 11 guys what would they would they would they would they actually? Would you have to employ stewards or would you open all, all four stands how would that work <laughs> I think um in, seriously, they would probably have to resign. They wouldn't have any choice. They'd have to sell the club <laughs> because you can't function with no money. They'd go bankrupt shortly. I'd imagine. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's very interesting. I, I, the Italian leagues, obviously, um, a great league. I mean, the Italian team, I thought, were apart from that penalty shootout, amazing again at the Euros, and yeah. um, probably might have gone on. I think they'd have probably beat France in that semi-final mm, I agree I thought they the best team in the tournament yeah and I think they'd have beaten Portugal as well um, maybe I'm a bit excited I'm in the sweepstakes I don't <laughs> know. Um, but yeah it's kind of that's weird like 11 tickets for a, for a, t- a, t- a team of that standing I'm a big proponent for fan action and I actually applaud them I've got no time for Lazio fans they're involved in some horrendous political activity mm. um, they, they, they jumped tons of Spurs fans in a pub battered kids and, and, and women in a pub because they, they were Spurs and affiliated or, or, was this? this was two seasons ago in the Europa League okay. so neo-Nazi Lazio fans but yeah. all of that aside I, I, I approve of fan, fan action when things are not being run correctly at your football club so so bravo on that. On that isn't look. isn't that it, Lazio though? They're one of the ones where they, like you said, they've got the ultras. Yeah. But don't they have the situations where if like they lose the derby, they like it's one of them where their their head fans are that influential that they essentially go into the changing room at half time or and and know the players and, yeah. and stuff like that and and baseball bat their players' cars when they lose and it's kind of acceptable because they're so powerful. I've definitely heard those stories, uh, certainly about um, telling uh, specific players that they're not fit to wear the shirt and they don't come out again and yeah. they don't play. I don't know if it is that, so it could well be. Um, but surely there needs to be more than 11 of them. Well, you'd think... <laughs> or maybe they've just said, right, we're not buying tickets and people are scared apart from... Absolutely. That 11. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I don't, yeah. I, 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 anyway, uh, what's the next story, Cal? Uh, going a little bit off football here yep. and a bit about sports and general... News itself. We're going off sports. No, no on, on, on sports, sports still, but it's uh, about Russia and Rio 2016. They've had 67 athletes banned from Rio. Okay, 2016. the Olympics. Yeah, yeah, so they were appealing the ban, weren't they? They, were, they appealed a ban for the doping, obviously, and uh, 67 athletes have been told they're not allowed to compete in this summer's Olympic Games. Mm. So basically, the entire track and field team for Russia is not taking part. It's a major statement, isn't it, uh, to sportsmen? There's a massive problem about doping in, 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 all, in all sports, seemingly. Uh, football seems to be one of the few that, that have kind of escaped it, but you, you uh, imagine that, that there's going to be issues at some point. There's no way that there isn't any sportsmen, any footballers that are, that are involved in some sort of doping. It, it, it has just, it's the law of, law of averages. You'd suspect it to be so. Yeah, number one, wherever there's huge amounts of money, uh, at stake, people are trying to take that illegitimately. Simple as that. Um, I would say that in all sports, 
actually it's going on performance enhancing drugs their abilities to mask these things if you think about it they were masking these things with ben johnson in the olympics in like 1988 or whatever it was when uh, uh, when he brought the 100 meter world records and and, and yeah. then kind of got into trouble for it um there's obviously the lance armstrong stuff which kind of came out and then uh, but actually the whole of cycling is was on was on it so he was doing nothing different to anybody else he yeah. just happened to get popped um and you've seen it in the ufc um, I think to think that it's not in football is stupid. I'm sorry, it's but naive. you look at the body transformations of people like Gareth Bale, like Ronaldo, like all these guys, where at one point they were kind of skinny and, and the fact that they do cardio and all these things. And you at least need to ask questions about it. You do. Uh, I mean, look, and I'm you know not saying anything, I don't know anything, but the eye test, look at... I remember Andy Murray, right, at, at Wimbledon, uh, or playing tennis do you remember he couldn't finish a match he'd actually be playing tennis and he'd be like maybe one two sets up and then he'd he'd literally just fall apart because he he didn't have the stamina and strength to finish a game went on holiday for six months did yoga came back looking like like you know wamp yeah looking ripped looking like you Flav after <laughs> your uh, I wish. Uh, Thursday morning I only wish that was true press ups um so, so, you know, and Djokovic, you look at them all, man, I would expect that, I would say, there's definitely more people that are doing things that aren't doing things. Mm. Um, and so the fact that it's happening in, in athletics and, and the Russian team and, and whatever, it's no surprise. It's no surprise. It's actually a four-year government-sponsored doping scheme uh, that, 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 that was levied and then proved to be true. By but the, the, the UFC last week, so John Jones was supposed to be fighting UFC 200, biggest event. John Jones fighting uh, Daniel Cromier um, for the title, and John Jones gets popped for steroids uh, a few days before it. So the Brock Lesnar, who's a WWE wrestler, mm. uh, he was they drafted him in to replace the Conor McGregor fight that had gone. Um, Brock Lesnar as then, so this was the fight that kind of came in to sort of save the day and get the pay-per-view numbers. Uh, a week after UFC 200, he's now been popped for performance-enhancing drugs um, and has basically taken a huge purse from that. Now, the UFC as well has just been sold for all this money and the the, the marquee fighter in their biggest ever event, UFC 200, was taken off the card for drugs and then the the kind of the the other big guy the other big name the one that was selling all the tickets because he got the, the the wide repeal of wrestling he then gets popped for steroids so this is a problem that i think that there's a almost a tipping point at the moment in sport testing's getting better um and ultimately there's a lot of people that have been relying on it for a long time and a lot of people have been getting away with it but it appears that um, it's not a level playing field. Yeah, of course, and obviously it's difficult not to speculate. And of course, you know, people can put muscle on. Bale can build that muscle. So can Ronaldo with hard work and, and whatnot. But, but but given the culture around sport at the moment, it's hard not to think the worst of these people, isn't it? Well, I just, I just think that if they're off the pitch and they're injured, um, they're missing out on on money. They're missing out on marketing. None of the, the brands, none of the sponsors, nobody wants them to not be playing. And the fans don't really. Mm. You know, you yeah. don't want to find if Ronaldo's not in it, etc. But for me, it's like a lot to do with body types. Like, you know, they've all got these ridiculous, like, overdeveloped bodies. And I know you can get a certain way there with training, but yep. um, I don't know. Oh, uh, yeah. Don't yeah. pass the eye test for me. No, fair enough. Um, okay, they're... cool. They'll get caught if they're if they're doing wrong. They'll eventually get caught. And if I'm sure and if they're not doing wrong, then bravo, they're putting the work in. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah of, of, of course. Um, 
But again, I don't know if they'll get caught because, to be honest with you, I—I I mean, look at what was going on with FIFA for all that time. Yeah, there's Still so many. Yeah, there's so many. This when people have got so much money and so many things at stake, um, that elite kind of protects itself. And so, I wouldn't surprise me if there were lots and lots of things that were covered up that hadn't been released. And uh, at some point, it wouldn't surprise me if everything kind of comes tumbling down it's a well discussed subject um, about Ronaldo missing or was too sick to play that, that cup final in, in 1998 world cup final yeah. and he was the world's biggest star he was kind of like Ronaldo now back then for our younger yeah. listeners who would know the, the real original, Ronaldo the, re, the real Ronaldo was a world star like Messi and, and, and like Ronaldo and the story goes that he was sick in the changing room he was shaking fainting fitting at night, the night before, wasn't it? He's remembering Roberto Carlos. I, I, I heard it was in the changing room. I heard it was in training the morning of the final. Okay, so there's a lot of stories going around. Yeah. But one of us are right. Yeah. Um, either way, he, was, he wasn't <laughs> supposed to play that game. Sure. He, he comes in, the best player of the world, plays a shocking game against France in the final. And the rumours, none of this is, is, is fact, but that he was forced to play because the sponsorship <laughs> yeah. value, the value in the sponsorship was so great that yeah. he couldn't not. You can't have this this such a significant game with the world watching and not have this uh, their biggest ambassador Nike were um, big Brazilian sponsor. I think that there was all that stuff as well about um, about Brazil playing all these games around the world and forced to play certain players in order to raise the value of them by giving them caps for Brazil that yeah. there's a whole host of stuff that was going in which which we with Nike and with that I can't remember all the details but there yeah, was a yeah. quite interesting documentary yeah. I remember quite a few years ago so yeah if if athletes which are ultimately the the, the main uh, assets of teams and and of leagues um if they're not playing then yeah people are missing out on on, on the exposure that they want and their investments. Well, they're seen as a commodity, and that's it, ultimately, I'd imagine, by the, by the money men. Um, from one dark and seedy underbelly of football story to another. So the final bit of news this week, we had him on a podcast last week. Jim Irwin's been whoring himself out to the whole network, so hasn't he? It's not news, we just wanted to share it. That yeah, we just want to have a little dig at him, basically. The washed-up agent. What's yeah. he been doing? Agent. What's, not, what's he he's not been, been doing? on every show we produce. Like what? Well, he's on Rude Blonde. Yeah. Today he's been on 100% Chelsea's channel. Right. Doing what? Just whatever answer. he can get his hands on. Whatever. For 50%. For 50%. <laughs> yeah, it's just, been, so just want to dig, basically. Make sure he listens to this. He's essentially... Um, his, his ego's taken over, has it? Yeah, yeah, essentially in a big way. And he was talking about getting an agent. I was saying, you can represent yourself. Oh, I need a bigger agent than me. <laughs> um, oh, so a bit of a slow news week at Bull Street. It's a new, it's a new low. Um, but Bull Street FC's coming along. Yeah, um, so we've got the date, haven't we, sorted out. Yeah. Um, we've got an unveiling of our kit soon. Yep. I think that's exciting. Kit launch. Um, we've got um, some confirmed players for, for our for our squad, and uh, I think that we're going to have quite a big squad at first. Looking robust. Yeah, we might need to trim some fat out after the first game. Um, more ways than one. But yeah, very exciting. So we're going to be playing Hashtag United, um, which is coming up soon. They're a well-organised team that have played lots of games. I think a lot of them have played together since... Take it very seriously. Yeah, since school, I think they've been playing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're going to be somewhat thrown together yeah. with very little but isn't that v- the v- very little structure or, 
or planning or tactics or even knowing some people's names. I know I, I've been it's work- not a great recipe for success. <laughs> I don't think. I, I, I work with you, you, Matt, and I know that your planning and, and, uh, and tactical understanding of, of how to approach a problem is is amazing. But sometimes the best things come from utter chaos. <laughs> I think you, sometimes you get lucky, and maybe just maybe, maybe we'll get lucky. Maybe That's we'll what we lucky. need to hope for, isn't it? It is. Right now. We're going to be joined by Reese Weston and Sam Parkin. Get ready for this. We're joined by Reese Weston and Sam Parkin, both former footballers. Reese Weston, former Arsenal, Cardiff, Port Vale, Warsaw, Dundee, Reykjavik, Sabah FC, AFC Wimbledon, and Full Wales International. Sam Parkin, Millwall, Wickham, Oldham, Northampton, Swindon Town, Ipswich Town, Luton Town, Leighton Orient, Walsall, St Johnson, Queen of South, St Mirren, and Exeter City. And the Grecians. Did I get anything? I missed Scotland anything? B. You missed Scotland, Scotland B. Yeah, one cap come off of a hip injury in the first half. <laughs> oh, International no. career finished. Oh. How's it going, boys? Good. Yeah, very well. Yeah. You also Good. have your own podcast. We do. Uh, it's we do. called Hanging Up the Boots. Yeah, ironically. We've, we've had a bit of a sabbatical, really, haven't we? Well, Gabadon's been um, away at the Euros, hasn't he? Of course. Uh, uh, riding the crest of a wave during <laughs> Wales's success, and then me and Reese have just been left here twiddling our thumbs but we're going to meet up aren't we next week it's have a, a beer and plan the next assault on uh, brilliant yeah think what, about what players we're going to get in for those that don't know what, what, what's it about what's, what, what's... Well, I mean the, the three of us um, when we finished playing we all had designs on getting involved in the media and we thought a podcast for three players to just front it rather than have someone that was already in the industry we were confident that we could put something out there with our contacts and just talk football, really. And mm. um, we've all got. And how did you guys get to? Were you playing at one of the out of that long list of clubs? Was were you all together at one point? Like, how did well, the how did you three out of all the footballers kind of get I together? I think I'm, I'm probably the glue between the three in terms of you know I've, I've known Sam for a, for a number of years. Now we kind of grew up in the same area. Right. He was at Chelsea, young lad. I was at Arsenal. You know, we we knew of each other for a long time. We finally teamed up at Walsall. Right. Okay. Um, and Danny, I was at Cardiff with for a number of years with Wales. Uh, so we all, we all kind of finished playing around about the same time, right, okay. um, and just through through pure chance, ended up in the same neck of the woods. You know, around about southwest London. And again, as Sam said, we were kind of thinking what to do at our time once we retired. Obviously, I'd gone into to full time employment, which I hate. Um, <laughs> so I just sort of think, how can you how can you keep involved in football in some capacity? And we got together one night, I think, in the ship. Yeah, in Wandsworth, every okay, couple of years, the ship. A bit of spitballing, and hang out the boots was born, and we've gone from there really. Reese, you mentioned, and I mentioned at the beginning of that tirade of uh, football clubs, Arsenal. I'm a Spurs fan. Get over it, Flav. Well, I need to clear the air, basically. There's, there's, there's obviously an issue. Yeah. There's a tension. There's a tension. You're not an Arsenal fan, obviously. You are, aren't you? Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> you was yes, very, yes. You were very close with Perry Groves when you took me that night. <laughs> he was offering you a lot of prawn sandwiches. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm an Arsenal follower. You know, I'm not a fanatic. Don't get me wrong, but you kind of become indoctrinated into it. You know, when you I was there from 11 years old till I was 20, so it's kind of in your blood a little Shall bit. Should we move on? Reece? Yeah, let's move on. <laughs> <All right. laughs> uh, you alluded to the fact that you know you moved from uh, professional football into uh, full-time employment, which isn't unless you're going into media. Sam, you think that would might be a much more traditional route for a, a player that wants to carry on working or has to carry on working to, to media, but. I'm not sure what you do, Reese, but how is that transition? And is it, is that the kind of formation of, or, or kind of the ethos of hanging up the boots? Is kind of what you do that transition yeah. into? It was that, that's kind of where the idea came from, and it's it's kind of gone from there. It's grown organically from there. Ah, yes, the, the idea was to discuss 
with players that are coming towards the end of their careers, what their plans are for the future, how they're going to deal with that transition. I think transitions have mm-hmm. been used quite quite freely with players coming towards the end of their careers. But from a personal perspective, I got injured. My career was cut, you know, in an instant, mm-hmm. and I didn't really have a time. I didn't really have time to formulate a plan moving forward. I just kind of got injured, had to reevaluate. Thankfully, a couple of good friends of mine started a golf travel business ten years ago. Come and do a bit of work for us. That's two and a half years gone now. Do you know what I mean? It's just flown by. But I was very fortunate to get offered a job off the bat. Mm-hmm. But you know, there are people much less fortunate than I that don't necessarily get given that opportunity straight away. So, how old were you when um, when you got the injury? And what was the injury? So I'm 30, 35 now. So I would have been, I think, thirty-two going on thirty-three. Right. I, I ruptured my patella tendon, so just snapped my tendon clean. Um, and to be honest, where I was mentally at that point, anyway, with football. There was no way I was coming back from that. Mm. You know, I probably could have got myself fit. I mean, I'm healthy and functional now. Mm. A little bit lumpy around the edges, but um, in terms of you know the, men- the mental strength would have taken to come back from that, no chance. Not a 33, mm. 34 for the for what to maybe play for another year, two tops. So you talk about mental strength, but is that a massive part of professional football? You know, being in the right mind frame and and, and having to recover from injury uh, and, and that kind of thing is what what was missing mentally. That, mean, that meant that you couldn't come back from that injury? I think, or is it hard to put into words? It's, it's interesting because I think Sam, Sam and I have had fairly similar careers to a point. Mm. And I think, you know, football, I'm not going to sit here and moan about it, it's one of the best industries in the world when things are going well. But mm. for me, it got to the point where the bad was starting to outweigh the good. I'd moved around a lot, my personal circumstances had changed. You know, you're living one year to the next, you don't know where you're going to be. Never earned enough money in my career to be comfortable, so you, you're always looking over your shoulder a little bit. And I think... You know, I'd gone from Dundee to Iceland to Malaysia to FC Wimbledon, and you're like, it's like take stock and think. Oh, a second, you know, mm. at some point you've got to you've got to think about the future. And I think injury in hindsight was a blessing. It kind of snapped me out of that that malaise I was in, and made me focus on on the future. But yeah, it was um, it's definitely a very very integral part of being a footballer having that mental strength. Yeah, the moving around must be must be difficult, and like you say, that not knowing where you're going to be. I, I've never actually thought that about footballers in a way um, but just to just be kind of like one minute in Iceland the next minute Scotland the next minute I mean do you have a family do you you know how do you kind of uh, like because if you've got kids in schools and stuff like that that's going to be awkward isn't it yeah I mean I was fortunate I guess in hindsight that I never I'd never had kids to worry about but in terms of your family life it does put strain on that um, but yeah it, it kind of comes with the territory a little bit you know you know, there are players that are fortunate to put down roots in one one region and then mm. stay there, move clubs within you know half an hour, forty five minutes. But for me, I kind of went from you know southeast London in Kingston, where I grew up, to Cardiff, mm. to Scotland, you know, Midlands, all over the place. So it's, it's just it's just quite it can be quite unsettling, I'd say, more than anything. Mm. Sam, so, so you sorry, go on. No, I think um, the beauty of the podcast is we all finished around the same time, and we've all got different stories. I think injury. Uh, essentially finished Reese off. I think my um, reasons was more mental. Mm. Um, after suffering a lot of injuries in my 20s, got back playing sporadically, showed good form, but it was the realisation that I wasn't the player I was in my 20s. And every year, I always make the um, comparison to like breaking up with someone and you think, I'll get back with her, it'll be all right this, it'll be all right this time. And every year, I'd sign another year's contract with another club thinking this is the year that everything's going to be rosy and I'm going to score 25 goals again. And it didn't. I'd be in and out of a team. I'd be on the bench, playing in the reserves, another year older, not knowing what I was going to do with the rest of my life. 
So that's what my decision was based on, not being the player I was and admitting that to myself that, yeah, I'm probably a non-league player now, which was, was tough. Yeah, and I was, it must be tough for, to kind of go through. It was, it was tough and I think we've all been through it other than Gabadon who's counting his money. But <laughs> I think, you know, us boys at the lower level, when it is time to finish, you know, I was, I was blue. You know, I wouldn't go as far to say I was depressed or whatever. I've, you know, I've written about this, I've spoken about this, but I didn't know what I was going to do. I, I thought my life was over. And I think that is the reality for a lot of us. Like, we go through it. But I think it's about just doing anything and everything when you finish and using what we've had, the experience we've had, like an amazing life, like Reese said, and trying to find something that you can replicate that buzz with a little bit yeah. on a match day. Yeah, absolutely. So you decided to go into media. You thought that might mm. be an industry for you. Obviously, had massively successful spell, probably the most successful spell of your career at Swindon Town. Um, you've what, what, what's happening now? What are you doing out there? Because I know I, you work for the BBC. Yeah, I think you've got to lean on that. And my last year was at Exeter, and like I just said, um, I was in and out of the side. Exeter, I didn't play, and I was thinking, you know, this is League Two. I can't get in the side here. Um, and had you, had you got over your injuries like yeah like, when did the injuries affect you and uh, so when you're saying in and out of the side was that all due to injuries or, or were you just struggling to get yeah form, struggling right? for form right. struggling for consistent form for years and like I said I'd have games where people would go you know there's a player in there somewhere but I could never do it on a consistent basis which frustrated yeah. the life out of me belief I think it's I missed probably two years three years almost of my career in my early 20s with a, a catalogue of uh, Operations, fractures, um, mismanagement probably at times by certain clubs. So I missed a long time of football. I think it's a long time to be out of the game when you've got that repetitive instinct of scoring a goal, being yeah. knowing where to be, bang, it's in the net, taking a touch, it's in, getting across people. And I found it hard to get back to those levels. So, yeah, it was admitting to myself when I was at Exeter League 2, you're not going to, you're not 21 anymore, you're not going to score 20 goals. So that's when I kind of made touch with... Um, the BBC in the West Country, which was kind of on my route home on the M4. Started going in, doing a bit of commentaries, and it snowballed from there, really. Excellent. What you mentioned quickly about the, um, you know, having that mindset to be able to get across players or get in the right positions. And uh, as fans, obviously, we, they, they get on your back. You, I'm, no doubt you've experienced a lot of that. And you must actually think about it. Not, not you personally, like, as in oh, fans yeah. get on the backs yeah. of players. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's what, sorry, like, did I not say that? It yeah. sounded a bit like fans, <laughs> fans get on your back, obviously. <laughs> One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. No, uh, yeah, but it's, uh, how much of it is mental and, and, and how much of it is training-based? Because you, you must have like muscle reflex and, and think actually... Or is it really? I'm I'm in the zone. I'm 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 on fire, and, and everything just seems to work. Yeah, out. a lot of it for a centre forward is about your your mind. Definitely, you know, you're going on the pitch when you're scoring goals, and you know you're going to score. It's just a matter of time when you're in a rich vein of form. But as soon as you start getting a bit of stick and your your mental strength lets you down, it can be a real problem. I think for a striker, because you take that extra touch, and so much of it is instinctive. If you take that extra touch because you're fretting that the ball's not set correctly, or you're not, not got it where it, you want it to be. Someone's in, tackles you, and they're off up the end of the pitch. So yeah. it became a problem for me, and I wish I could turn back the clock and do work to prepare myself. You know, like mm. other sports are miles ahead of football. Sports psychology. Yeah, miles ahead, and it only came into the sport latterly, like when I was playing. Yeah. There's so much stuff you can do um, to train the mind and, and just prepare yourself better. And I, I let it affect me at stages, which. That's the type of lad I am. I was probably too. I was probably oversent, too oversensitive to yeah. be a, to be out there in the firing line. But it affected me at certain clubs, and especially because the game, the game seems especially a changing room as well. It's not the most sensitive place, I'd imagine. No, quite, you, you wouldn't have a lot of sympathy from the lads, would no, you? But I, th- I think there's there's you know, so I speak with Sam. I've been in the dressing with him. You know, he's he's always the life and soul. So I mean, there's it. I think when you say being about sensitive, it's more about your own your self awareness of your own performance. You know, you all held around the dressing room, I think, over the years, you know, we had a bit of banter and what have you. It's, 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 as you say, it's an unforgiving place. You can't go in there and be a shrinking violet. But in terms of, you know, dealing with, I mean, I, 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 was, I was that bad, you know, when I went to Cardiff for my first couple of years there. Got to the point where playing right back, the good old fashioned days, you kick off the ball, get his roll to the right back, you clip one in the channel. Mm. If I hit a bad ball in the first 30 seconds, it's going to take me an hour to get back into the game. Really? My head will go. Really? It took me, I would say, probably till I, my late 20s early 30s to be able to play a game of football and not be affected by making a mistake it's, not, it's nuts you had those animals down the touchline at Ninian Park oh as well didn't you and the fencing it was a great, was a yeah. great, great game I say great game in hindsight looking back we went to Wigan away and we were, we were in a bit of a struggle Alan Court was under massive pressure at the time and we were getting dick 4-0 <laughs> at Wigan like Jason DeVos um, Ellington. 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 Yeah. Ellington I think DeVos had scored three goals from a corner you know I mean? he just battered us and at Wigan, there were there were, were never many fans at Wigan, but the way fans for some reason had the main stand opposite the dugout, yeah. so it holds about ten thousand people. There's about two thousand Cardiff fans in there, and the scoreboard happened to be above the away fans. And I've kind of gone over to take a front. I've picked the ball up and looked up at the scoreboard. I can see like it's still twenty minutes to go. We're four 0 down. All of a sudden, it's just Cardiff fans cascading down the stand, fingers up at me, shouting at me, bawling at me, telling me I was the worst player they've ever seen. So my reaction was just to give it one of those ones, like, oh, of course, yeah, yeah. carried on. Yeah. But man, they were paying for blood. And obviously, I got pulled into the manager's office the following day, and so that's not really acceptable. But you know, you're being, a human being. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it's, it's it's it can be an unforgiving place when things aren't going well. There's not really enough um, understanding of that, and I, I don't know if it's helped by this uh, or sort of hindered by this this generation of FIFA, for example. Where you know you're familiar with the game, you you get the players. They've got speed, ninety shooting this, heading that, and you kind of expect that the players can play at that capacity just because that's what they're capable of. That's I what their speed, skills I are. Speed night on <laughs> <laughs> um, but the the thing is, I guess, is that 
we are human beings, you know, and that there's there's a lot that goes into it. There's a psychological element. There's also the the physiological element. There's the you know diet preparation. There's you know sleep. There's all kinds of um, uh, ways that we know nowadays about optimizing uh, both your personal performance and then kind of collective the way that teams can be built uh, in business as, as well in sport. Was there anything that the club would provide in those days to to assist you? You know, diet as well. There's all these things that can I think help get someone to be at their peak performance at that moment that they're required on that Saturday afternoon did the club do anything to help you or, or did yeah. any clubs or, or any people you know I think we we were involved in, in, in the evolution of the modern game you know our, our generation you know from the 90s through to the early two, early noughties that's really when the game started to evolve and science came more into it I remember the Wenger era you know mm. The, the diet and, and the, the physiology, the preparation for Arsenal, the first team, which I didn't spend an awful lot of time with them, but watching from not too far a distance, you could see how, how the game was starting to evolve in that respect. You know, prehab, stretching, diet being monitored really closely yeah. in, the, in the canteen. Uh, and, but that was the influence of the foreign players coming in. But yeah, we, you know, we were provided with... But then you have that culture shock of going down to League One and League Two and they're still 10 years behind. Yeah. That, you know, that's probably started coming in at the likes of Wickham Wanderers and Oxford and all that probably now mm-hmm. whereas I was at Chelsea the same time he was at Arsenal and it, I remember my first, one of my first loan moves I come from Chelsea where you had an Italian fitness coach an Italian chef um, Rude Hullet Viali people like that in the building and you're doing the most prepared pre-season you know the, the furthest distance you run in pre-season was probably 200 metres and two years before you were probably just lapping yeah, the field yeah, and, you, and then I went to Wickham Wanderers where there was a bacon an egg roll van in the uh, car park <laughs> there was a, essentially a bar in Adams Park I think it's still there isn't it the mm. players bar is a bar a pub with a snooker like, the lads would just have like four pints after the game yeah. I mean still going down to League 1 League 2 at that that period was like prehistoric so I remember being in the players bar at Cambridge I'm a Huddersfield Town fan by the way and I remember going to watch uh, Huddersfield at Cambridge and my, my mate was from Cambridge and somehow got us not that it's actually VIP but you know what he'd, what he'd put to me is yeah don't worry we're in everywhere and we're still in the players bar afterwards just having a beer Kenny Irons Huddersfield midfielder yeah. comes in I don't know if you know yeah, him yeah. quality player actually comes in and, and orders like two I think it's cans of red stripe sat there and opened one literally just drank this full can of red stripe pretty much put the other one in his pocket and then just went to get on the on the coach it's like but I guess that transition because obviously back in there's Arsenal it was all about boozing people like Gaza that was the culture Paul McGrath Brian Robson they all used to drink so much but it did gear change in that period I would say 10 years ago it was still like that the majority of the clubs I played for if you got a good win on the road the manager get get a crate from the players bar there'd be a couple of lads each time if you're coming near the business end of the season it's important three points as well they go in there and bring a crate on oh. and there'd be like little microwave curries or whatever and you'd have a few beers on the <laughs> way back. Absolutely, meant a complete crime. I guess it's kind of everyone's idea of what football is based on what the, what you see in the Premier League and the, you know, isotonic drinks, fucking freezing cold baths after the game, yeah. whatever, it, whatever it is. Um, we actually were talking to Troy Townsend who was, talk, he was talking about his son Andros yeah. um, and saying that he, he he's him and John O'Beaker at Spurs, uh, they got loaned out to Yeovil and in a small way changed the culture at the club for, for the time that they were there because they were finishing training or finishing a game and jumping straight in the ice bath because that's what they've been told to do by the trainers at Tottenham mm. and the oval players are looking at them and going fuck are you lot up to me like that <laughs> why, why, why aren't you having your microwave curry yeah. <laughs> no, I, think, I think it is about getting a balance though isn't it because yeah. you've got a, you've always I always felt you had to gain the lads respect 
probably as a player first and then as a lad. Yeah. But I mean, it's quite. There's not a lot between it, so I'd always try and like train well the first few days, and then also if there was a night out to be had, you got to stamp your authority on that as well. <laughs> you know that you've got a bit about you. But um, I think the standards that we learn at Arsenal, Chelsea, respectively, you can bring that to the table as well when you go somewhere like that, because mm. the lads know when you go down to League One, League Two, they look at you and think this geezer's going to have high standards. Even though just the way you train, yeah. Like if the coach is going off and you you can able to almost dictate the session in their absence. So I think, yeah, clubs I went to when I was a young lad, I think that I try to add that little bit of quality and that bit of know-how that I'd learnt. So yeah. there's always pros and cons to coming through at a big club, but I'd do it again exactly the same probably. Uh, it's interesting what you're saying about the the fans and and that experience um, uh, playing for Cardiff. There was a um, you know the new Sheffield Wednesday manager. Um, or the guy that was in charge this last year, that Carlos, I don't yeah. know how to pronounce his name, but Cavalal or something mm-hmm. like yeah. that. Um, I actually met up with a Wednesday mate of mine today and he was telling me this story and I, I hadn't heard this story, but they obviously got to the player final and lost to, to Hull. Uh, but he played me this little video and it shows you like at the start of the season, basically this guy's come in and he starts asking the fans, which is I think kind of fairly unique, I don't know. Um, but he, he basically started telling them that um, I, I want to challenge you to if we hit a bad pass, if one of our guys hits a bad pass, he's doing what I've asked him to do. It's not come off, but I don't want you to boo or groan. I just want you to applaud him and kind of get behind him. And I think everyone was like at the start of the season, was like, "Who's this guy? <laughs> what is he on about?" But he started telling about this story about when he was at uh, the Portuguese team, Vitoria, set a ball, which is what they're apparently called. Pretending like I know that, uh, and they was talking about a player that they'd call like uh, Chazinho, and in, and this is what he actually told the Chef Wednesday fans through the media about this player that they'd got, and uh, at Vitoria when he joined the club, at, at, whatever he'd do, the the crowd were moaning, they were ultimately getting on his back, and he was so he thought right, I'm just going to get rid of him, but then he actually saw a few things in training and thought. He actually is a decent player, but in these home games where the fan, you know, home fans are, it's, it's making it bad for him. So we actually asked the the fans to kind of get behind him, to give him a break, and to do this and to do that. And actually, his performance kind of changed, and he ended up going on to be a great player. I think he even went to Benfica, mm. right? Which, which is obviously a promotion. So anyway, he told Chef Wednesday fans this and kind of got them to buy into it. After seven or eight games, uh, they essentially and he promised them that if you do this, I promise you that we'll play better football and that you'll be proud of it and you'll enjoy it. And it started. To, to work essentially and Chef Wednesday big club you know decent um, decent history and they, they're fans they're a very well supported team I'm sure you guys have run into them they, they go a lot away but they ultimately boo quite a bit as, mm. as my mate tells it um, but during that season they end up kind of getting behind and he said hey, we've never had a better season the fans are completely in sync with the club and with the manager and even they got to the player final they lost to Hull um, it was clear that there were more Sheffield Wednesday fans Stayed behind after the game than were Hull fans who were actually getting the trophy in the promotion, and the Chef Wednesday fans were just singing throughout that and celebrating the defeat. Now, that's fairly unique, isn't it? But how do you think that that kind of approach, you know, is that lucky, or, or do you think that can kind of that would be a massive help. I, I think, yeah. Even yeah. if it's just 5% of the supporters, yeah. it'd have a, a <laughs> huge impact. If, if, if I shake one of the touch and I got a pat on the back for it, I'd be delighted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a delight. But it's so true, though, because. They say you've got a lot of young players coming through. If you want to nurture young talent, you've got to give them the platform to, to perform. And i tell you what, it's, it's, it's not many places to hide. If you're having a bad time, mm. especially the young lad now with the pressures that are on people to make it, the stats are against you from the outset. You know, so if you're going out on the pitch and you're having a bit of a stink at the time and passes are going astray and 
you feel like shrinking and the fans are getting on your back, you know, you reverse that, you know, mm. give them a bit of encouragement. You'll see, you'll see players will develop a hell of a lot more. And I think, you know, as Sheffield Wednesday, as you said, Sheffield Wednesday have shown that. I mean, they had a great season, you know, I mean, they finished third in the end, didn't they? Mm. I mean, well ahead of Hull, just unfortunately on the day, Hull, Hull pipped them to the post, but they were a real pleasure on the eye to watch. I saw a good few of their games last season. And as you say, when you've got a club that's in unison and it's a cohesive unit both on and off the pitch, it can only be, it can only bode well for the future for them mm. moving forward, absolutely. When there's not many people in the stand, you can hear every word as mm. well. And there's so many dressing rooms I've been in where there's been a real wedge between the players and the supporters. Really? Yeah. Yeah. yeah you've never been, how many times have you been in a dressing room post-match when you've won a game and everyone's like, our oh, supporters were brilliant today. Mm-hmm. It's always the supporters were this, they were that. You know, fuck them off. Don't clap them next week. You know, I've been in so many dressing really? rooms. Where really? Like, yeah. yeah. If someone's getting, if a few of the lads are getting, or if the team collectively are getting pelters mm-hmm. and you're losing games at home, the lads will speak about it after the game. That's you fascinating. Do you know what, from a, from a fan's perspective... Absolutely. Maybe not at the top level. But, you know, I've been in the dressing room so many times when the captain would go, fuck that, fuck them off yeah. next week, or what are you doing clapping? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so you get, you'll get stick for, for clapping, clapping the fans if, if, if there has been a, a, a issues between If the there's people. a real, yeah, neutral in the, in the crowd towards you, the, the home team, yeah. If you're getting stick and there's a serious number of players that are getting pelters, then it would turn a, a group collectively against the support. Yeah, you, get that, you, you kind of develop a siege mentality almost, you know, and this, the reality is, the football team is the heartbeat of the football club. You know, people say fans are important. Fans are important, of course they are, but players are the product. Yeah. The people pay to watch. And you you have to have that, that collective strength as a team to be able to, to put up with the other stuff that goes with it. And I think, as Sam says, sometimes when you come in after a, a poor, poor performance, a poor defeat at home, you've been booed off, you know, people, you know, effing and blinding at you. It is that case, you know, fuck them off. Yeah. It's, about, it's about us we've got to stick together we've got to do this so you, but that, that then creates that divide that you spoke yeah. about you've got that divide you've got a football club that's, that has a, a massive mm. fracture down the middle because mm. you've got a team that's desperately trying to do well and you've got the fans that really want the team to do well but don't know how to yeah. articulate that to the team yeah. and it can, so get, it can get a lot worse before it gets better sometimes. I can't think of too many examples but remember when uh, Peter Crouch went to Liverpool and he had an absolute torrid for about 25 games he didn't score for yeah. but the supporters were all united behind him and it became a little bit of a running joke yeah. and I think when winning off his backside or took a <laughs> massive deflection mm. and he run off like he'd scored the best goal you've ever <laughs> yeah. seen but I think that was just because the fans have been the scousers yeah. have just said you know what He's not having the best of time. He's probably missed a few. I think he missed a few yeah. penalties during that run. But they it become almost a bit like comedy, and everyone supported him. Mm. And then he had a decent career yeah. at Liverpool, didn't he? It's, yeah, he did. He scored that amazing bicycle. Yeah, he did. Kick. He, did, he, did he did well, and I think he's a bit of a cult hero even he now. For yeah. England, mate, he used to score when he played. He used to score for England. Yeah, he, was, he, he really did. Oh, I saw him at Spurs, and I like, quite liked him. He's the same same era as us, so yeah. we've, known, we've known him. Yeah, same but, area as well, coming right. up. Do you know what, he always spoke really well as well, and, and still great fella. Day. But you know, just just to go back what you, what you were saying, the um, it, it seems obvious now. You said it. it. It seems obvious. Of course, it's going to affect what, you. the fans v players thing. Yeah, well, yeah. The, 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 the play it would affect the players in such yeah. a way because, to be honest, from a fans' perspective, um, you assume that as a players, it's your job. You're employed. <laughs> You go out there, you do your best. Speed and if, and if you don't do it, then we have a right to boo you because that's our job. We've Obviously, paid our money. We've paid our money. Obviously, that's I used to do it before I turned pro. You know, I used to go QPR and abuse players for fun. It's you know, so, that's what you do. It's, it's bollocks, though, isn't it? Because ultimately, yeah. they're representing your shirt. The, the, the badge, the, the thing mm-hmm. that you hold most dear about uh, about the club that you support, the emblem on, on, on the chest. 
you're you're representing that, and that, and that's that's important. So if someone's trying to do that, yeah, there was only one time where I I, I couldn't help but boo. Was when Hossam Ghali tore off the uh, the Spurs shirt and threw it at the manager, yeah. but that was, that was a disrespect to the club I love. But we we uh, at Tottenham we set up this movement called um, the 1882 movement, which was about at times White Lane can White Lane can be a positive, uh, sorry, a poisonous atmosphere. So certainly, if the team's playing badly, boos do ring out around around the ground, and we were kind of a proponent for changing that 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 mindset at the game. Mm. And actually, so let, you you got all fans together, didn't you? Essentially, oh, oh, well, I don't know. Some fans hate us, but but because <laughs> they call us happy clappers. I mean, yeah, regardless yeah. of what, you're going to clap them off the pitch. Yeah, of course we are, because as long as they're trying, as long yeah. as you're, yeah. we're doing what we think you think. As much as you can put up with a lack of quality, anyone can, can't they? Yeah. You, know? you just need that minimum effort. effort. You need the effort, don't you, sir? Yeah, exactly. And how much of that is true? Because you know, you get these cliches thrown out. There was no passion. You know, there's no art in this team, and it's just like to me, it sounds like bollocks. Because you just you don't know why you're frustrated. So you're going to throw these cliches mm-hmm. at it. I think a lot of it's organisation in it. Our team set up. Yeah. You know, I've never been in a side that's gone out and not given everything. No. Uh, a lot of it is. It's catching in it. If someone's having an off day or someone's uh, passes are going astray, you're lacking cohesion, it can be catching. Mm. And sometimes you're looking around and you're looking for a spark from one of the other players, but sometimes it just don't happen. Yeah. So, and you have days like that and you, that's when you've got to just dig in, haven't you, and try and take a point from the game or take a, you know, take a narrow defeat or something. But I've never, ever played in a team that was lacking in desire or effort. No, I've got to agree with Sam there. I don't think... Anybody, anybody I've, I've had the pleasure of playing with has ever just sacked it off and thought, no can't. matter today, can't be asked. It just, I say, I think it's, it's all, it's all relative to the level you're playing at. You know, we, we weren't playing, you know, in the Premier League week in, week out. We're playing, you know, all over the country, up at you know, Huddersfield, Hartlepool, wherever you, wherever you want to mm. be. You know, and sometimes for whatever reason, you might have had a shit sleep the night before. Mm. The journey might have been horrific. You know, ten hours on a bus the night before. For you just don't have the energy in your for legs. Whatever, do you for whatever reason, for whatever yeah. reason, someone who's out of form as well, that can be conceived as um, being lazy. Yeah, you know, if someone's thinking they don't want the ball. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I can't control this thing today, yeah. or yeah. I haven't scored for eight games. Body language you know, is so important, and you're yeah. making the wrong decisions, and you're thinking I don't really want to run in there because. I'd rather stay central or whatever. Yeah. You know, I think that can be conceived sometimes as yeah, sort of lack of effort, but it's not. It can be someone who's having a bad time and they're saying to the rest of the lads, like, I'm in the side, but you produce the goods today. I think, again, body language is so important in that. Again, talking about my own personal experiences, and people could look at me sometimes and think, what's wrong with him? But I, I, don't, I don't see it because I'm, I'm, I'm playing a game. I don't look, I'm not looking at myself from, from a, you know, yeah. a third-party opinion, but... And people said to me, "You're right." And I'd be, "Yeah, why? Well, what's something? You know, heads down, shoulders slumped, carrying the weight of the world on your shoulders because you're you're nervous, you're anxious about how you're playing." Yeah. That could be, you know, for me, I, it took. I think it was, took my old man for him to say to me one day, "Mate, you need to sort your body language out." Yeah. Said, what do you mean? He said, "Well, you look like you don't want to be anywhere else apart from on that pitch at the moment." And you think, "Shit, really? Yeah. I don't feel like that." But obviously, you're giving off that impression when yeah. you're playing. Your chest's out, your head's up. You know, it's, yeah. But when things aren't going so well, that body language is so important. If someone sees that from the, but the old man's seeing it, fans are seeing it, and they're yeah. thinking, well, he either doesn't give a fuck, or he doesn't want to be there. Yeah. But really, I'm just I'm toiling because I'm trying to get some sort of something going so I can get through the game, you know. Yeah. And if you get three or four people like that on a, on a, in a game, all of a sudden you've got a team that doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Did you, did you ever feel that? Did you ever feel like on certain games that you just think I've just got to get through this game? Get for ninety minutes and then get off. And... I, I, recent actually, because my second season at Dundee, we had a great first season at Dundee on circumstances and what have you. But 
I was made, made captain for the second season. We played like the Scottish season starts ridiculously early. You have the Scottish Cup. You know, is this that, that fight now? Yeah, they've yeah. had it already, haven't yeah. they? Yeah. So we, we, we had to play our Broth away in the Cup. It's a local derby for us. Like Broth's like half an hour up the road from Dundee. So it's quite a big crowd in relative mm. terms. Maybe three and a half, four thousand people there for, for a Mickey Mouse Cup game. And I swear to God, you'd think I'd never kicked a ball before. <laughs> really? Oh my God. I. Do, <laughs> The first, like the first thing that happened in the game, they've, they've hit a routine ball over the top. And I'm, I'm, I'm chasing back towards my own goal. And it's one of those ones where I'm thinking, if I, I could try and meet on the full here and clear it, or I might let it bounce and get my body in the way. Yeah. The ball's bounced, and I've kind of stopped. The forward's nipped in in front of me. I've chipped over my own feet, landed flat on my face. Boy's gone through, got around a goal, he hit the post, got out for a goal kick. So I've picked myself up, I've myself up thinking, I've dodged a bullet there, right, let's focus on this game. And it just got went from bad to worse. And like, it's just... I, I, you can't put your finger on it. Yeah. It's just, and he tries too hard, and he starts trying too hard. <laughs> oh my it god, is, just get me off! It is crazy though when get you did you get taken off? No, I'm just going to captain. You can't take the captain off. <laughs> I even dropped. I even got the ball at left back at one point of the goalkeeper. I'm having a shot at here, and I've presented myself to the goalkeeper in left back, no left foot. Get tackled by the forward again. Goal has to make a save, and <laughs> people are thinking, "Who is this guy?" Captain yeah. of the team, brilliant. The lad, we both played with Alan Lee. You'll know him from. Yeah, from yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. I used to say, a, when, you're a a ba- "When you're having a bad time as a centre forward, the ball looks like a golf ball when it's coming <laughs> into you." So obviously, it's coming yeah. in from a midfield player, and you just cannot control the fucking thing. <laughs> and uh, I used to say it all the time, and I know exactly what he, he meant. You know, because you'd have those days as a striker where it just fucking bounces off you. <laughs> and I had a game in Scotland at Hearts. He took Derek McInnes took me off, the, off after 25 minutes. Oh my god! <laughs> but he took Alan Mabry off as well. He was a fullback with Leeds. Uh, had a good career, yeah, yeah. Mabes. And uh, he took two of us off after 25 minutes. And it's weird when you get sent off or when you get subbed early. Obviously, 25 minutes you ain't sitting in a dugout. You're going in for a shower. Yeah. And me and him were just sat there. And it's almost like it's comical. You're, you can because you near the crowd. It's a weird sensation. When, when there's a full stadium mm-hmm. from the dressing room you can hear every seat moving above you the, the roar of the crowd me and him are just sat there and you know, like, your world is over yeah. you just lose complete um, it's like tunnel vision you, yeah you just think that's like you know it could, that's like the worst thing that can ever possibly happen in the world for that five minutes and you're there and you don't know whether to laugh you're half smirking because you're like oh it's my god we've just been dragged after 25 minutes <laughs> so Rich you know when you're saying and you're thinking right okay I'm going to take this full on I'm going to let it bounce right so when you kind of are thinking consciously about things it tends to kind of not happen right so for you Sam as a striker when you score an amazing goal is it a case of um, you just all of a sudden you've scored it and you almost haven't thought about it? Like it's an like out-body experience. Do you find that? Uh, or, or, or are you thinking, right, I've got the ball, I'm just going to kind of make a little yard and try and wrap it into the top You top, are top thinking bin. of that, but it's you play your best football when you're doing it um, without thinking yeah. intuitively. Like when you're just on a roll and the ball's into your chest, goes wide, you get in the box. You just do it, don't you're you? are not thinking about it. But in it's like a meditative state, like driving almost. Yeah, yeah, you're not even thinking. I remember playing that against Reese in Dun- against Dundee for, I can't remember who I was playing for. Uh, it would have been uh, Queen, Queen of the South. Queen of the South yeah, when I had a loan. And I absolutely destroyed him, by the way. <laughs> but it was one of them nights. And he, he said to me midway through the second half, he went, how do I win a header against you? <laughs> <laughs> I just, there's, there's, nothing, li- there's nothing worse than playing I swear, you. it was like this. Yeah, yeah, he, went, he went like that, like a little sarky. He went, how do I win a header <laughs> against you? And I went... It was one of them where I just I knew where the flight of the ball was going. Yeah, yeah. I knew where he was going to be, and I was going bang, arm in his chest, stay yeah, there, yeah. and you, just, you don't even yeah. need to leave the ground. But it, it was one of those nights. I don't yeah. know why I remember it. It was like one of them nice little bit of dew on the pitch yeah. under the lights, and every touch was just yeah. nice. Just on fire, and you had that. 
But like the um, the out of body experience, if I can yeah. just say on that, because I always like describing it. It's what I'm probably most passionate about. When you scored a goal, mm. that two minutes afterwards, like obviously goal scorers talk about it. It is out of body because mm. I think mean, the, the only thing you can compare it to, not that I've done it, is being a front man of a band or being on stage or whatever. Yeah. Everyone in that vicinity is focused on you, yeah. and you know it. And yeah. it's for, for two minutes, everyone's clapping you, singing your mm. name and watching your next movement. And if you ever watch a centre-forward who's just scored when they go back for the kick-off, it'll run around like a blue-ass fly for the next minute. Because it's just the adrenaline, surge. and you're just like, I am the bollocks. Have you yeah. ever scored two in a, on the bounce? What do you in mean? close succession, like, I don't know. Uh, the yeah. the season, Kane got two in... Yeah, like probably, yeah. Because that's like double the, uh, the emotion. Yeah, yeah, probably, but no, it double is... Drop. Yeah. Double dropping, yeah. <laughs> it, no, it is, it's just like amazing. You always see it, centre-forward, they'll chase, the ball will get played back and obviously someone will build an attack or whatever and you'll see the centre-forward just darting around. because want he wants the ball. He's on cloud nine, yeah. Just, just a quick thing, like, football's really not an easy game to play, in my opinion. Like, when, you, when you're playing five-a-side with your mates, it's fine, there's no play, pressure, but... We, we've just we've just set up Ball Street FC, which you, you two are now members of, by the way. Yeah, we expect to say. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Both well, played for a year, but I mean, <laughs> uh, and uh, like we've played a you know, mucking about. Sign a contract. Though. Yeah, yeah, well, well, <laughs> actually, it's a verbal contract. <laughs> I'm good at that. I've signed fourteen of them. Probably <laughs> <laughs> double that. Probably double that. It's yeah, not, especially eleven aside. It ain't like playing five aside. It's not like just kicking the ball at the goal. You obviously you, you two know, but. From a personal experience, Three I've always obviously you played yeah. very good as well. Um, but the uh, playing, I say, in midfield is a different. You're playing small, tiny little games of football that you exist only in your and everything else is going around you. And I'm just sitting there in the middle of the park, thinking, I don't really like this. <laughs> I don't like it. I don't like it. I've so it's five ten years of that, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really like it. Well, I, I love the thing that you said about him saying, "How do I win a header against you?" What, what's the 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 worst kind of on the pitch row that you've you've had you know how nasty kind of does it get you know because I'd imagine like I know Wrighty for example you know really well and he's he's told us about the he used to give people a right doing over and if someone had kind of was off form and he'd be you he say he used to be horrible to people. Um, his own teammates no no uh, opposition, opposition yeah. you know intimidating defenders yeah. and, and stuff like that. That was a set of was that was set of was dream. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't nasty. I probably was. I gave, I gave defenders an opportunity to be nice for the first half an hour. But then, if someone wanted to have a row, then I'd, I'd have a row. But I gave, oh, I always was polite, like I would be away from the pitch. And I think you know, both of us have got a good reputation in terms of being nice people. Mm. But I'd always give the, the centre half an opportunity. But if he wanted to clump me, you know, mm. when I'm waiting for a corner, then yeah, he's getting it. Mm. So I was never. Uh, I don't know what right it would be the the like aggressor. Like I was never the aggressor, but you know I had a few good tussles over the years. But mm. I think it goes with the territory of being a, mm. a centre forward. I mm. played in a game against the Spurs legends. Mm. Uh, <laughs> lovely little pitch out in Cobham. Uh, was it Cobham? I don't know where it is, but it was lovely. And I played against Stuart Nevercott. Yeah, mm. Nevercott. I played with him. Yeah, wasn't uh, Nevercott? I mean, he played Premier League. I tell you the Stuart Nevercott story. Yeah, go on. It's five seconds. Yeah, go. He used to be sick. In a cubicle before every game. Really? Retching, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Just a just a complete nerves, anxiety. Yeah, nerves, anxiety, whatever, superstition. Yeah. I wonder if he was sick before he played against me. At Millwall, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, probably not. No, no, no. <laughs> it, it, it was literally... the veterans probably had six pints over before the game, didn't oh, he? Mate, so, no yeah. doubt. He, he put on a bit of timber, but he, he deserved it. But the um it, it was the most terrifying <laughs> experience of my life. Oh, he just he just wanna win every ball, yeah. It was like to compete for every ball. Absolutely, yeah. you don't want to be. You don't want them to take the piss out of you. Like, oh, these mugs never played football. 
uh, which he was right, but the it was he was playing like it was a competitive game, and scre- my editor would come over and start screaming as he ran, ran for the ball. Yeah. Weren't even editors, it was just a noise. <laughs> it was uh, it was terrifying, honestly. And I got and then I got done by Danny Maddox. It was <laughs> a, Maddox. just a horrible best man to man marker in the game. He was well, he was horrendously uh, tight at yeah. times. <laughs> um, guys, this has been absolutely fascinating. Yeah, and thank you so much for coming down. Remember to uh, download "Hanging Up the Boots." Yeah, I think we'll we definitely have you guys on again because there was loads of stuff actually that I kind of wanted to say during that, but but didn't. You know what I mean? I think that there's a lot more interesting stuff. And I know what I love is our kind that of was candid. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah. it was. But what I'm saying is, I mean, you could be a bit pessimistic, but we had a great time, didn't we? But I think we just um, me and you had it some tough years didn't we so mm. we can put a bit of a balance but you have some good stories it's very yeah. open it's very honest and, and I think that people you know anyone that's listening to this definitely check out the podcast and, and, and have a listen oh, I've, I've been enthralled I really have uh, we met briefly before and, uh, and, and I knew it was going to be a good podcast but it's, it was fascinating and thank you for being so so open and, uh, and talking about your careers and we'd love to have you back on if, you, if, you, if, if you're willing Thanks for having us. No worries, yeah, cheers. You can invite us onto yours if you want. Well, any, yeah, anytime. What, what would we bring uh, to your all podcast? My, all, my Spurs, all my Spurs mates like love Flav, don't they? So, Do they? not a problem, yeah. Look, oh my God, look at his face. <laughs> I think they want to start their own po- rival right. podcast, though. So, oh. yeah, I better uh, keep it. Nah, there's no competition. It's all, uh, bring, bring them on. Bring them on. Flying <laughs> cop. Uh, yeah, thanks a lot. Uh, and remember, everyone who downloads, please subscribe, uh, leave a review on iTunes. It gets us up the charts and more people will listen. This is the uh, Long Ball Street. See you at the far post. See you at the far post, Matt. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.